0: Well, over the last number of weeks, I've touched on some of the central foundations of our faith. Not all of them, but I've talked about grace and forgiveness and trust and hope. And today I have to wrap up my time here at the chapel with what I believe is the centerpiece of our faith journey. And in fact, is the purpose of our existence now and beyond this life. And that, of course is love itself. You see, when it's all said and done, I believe that nothing, nothing is more important. And ultimately, nothing else really matters. You've heard me say many times before that there are so many great blessings in life, so many wonderful selfless people, so many folks who are kind and giving, so many people doing extraordinary things things, from teaching to running small, more big businesses to working in a library or being a mom and dad or working in medicine and mental health and the arts or working as a gardener or a server or a musician and everything else. There is so much in this world that is right and we need to celebrate, reinforce and contribute all that is right and good and there is so much. But in the midst of all that is good and right and the way things should be, this world and our country are going through some very terrible times. Of course, that's been the case with every generation before us, it's just sometimes the forms take a bit of a difference. But the good news is I've thought about the terrible times we are in, is that we are not helpless at all in response to what is wrong. In fact, if we think about it, and we take our faith seriously. We are empowered to respond to all that is amiss in the way that Jesus shows us. Specifically, the more we make the decision daily to live our lives guided by love and love in action, the more we will make a dent in all that is wrong among and around us. There is just no question about it. Love, I believe, is our way as followers of Jesus of showing up in this world with all of the good and all of the bad. You've heard me say over and over and over and over during all these years at the chapel that love is the whole deal, the entire shebang, the real gig, and the bottom line. Love is why we are alive why we've been given life to begin with, the ultimate reason for our existence. It is our purpose, our destiny, and our eternity. And as we learn in scripture, God is love itself. Throughout history, great poets and writers have spoken, musicians have spoken about love through a variety of means. Here are just a few quotes of what some people have said about this topic of love. C.S. Lewis wrote, and accurately so, to love at all is to be vulnerable, exquisitely vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness if you want to keep your heart safe. But that's not what our life is about, is it? It's not about keeping our heart safe. It's about a willingness to have our hearts shattered and broken and wrecked because we know it's about love, because love is the way and God is love. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Think about our world right now. Hate cannot drive out hate, he wrote. Only love can do that. Wow. Think of all the responses of hatred going on. And Cabril Cabran wrote, when love beckons you, Follow him, though his ways are hard and steep, for even as love crowns you, so shall love crucify you. Even as he is for your growth, so love is for your pruning. So shall love descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather say, I am in the heart. God. Isn't it astonishing that something we can't fully grasp, comprehend, or delineate with words can be so utterly engaging and engrossing and overwhelming? So why is love so hard to define? Why is love tougher to describe than, say, a a table or a balloon? Why is it that when it comes to love there is always more to say? And often, a dot, 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 dot to any sentence we say about love. Well, I think the reason that love is hard to define, as I said, is because God is love, and words cannot capture God. You know, over the years, some things have really puzzled me about love and people's reactions to love. Sometimes my own reactions have puzzled me. But over the years, often when I speak about love, once in a while, a person of faith will challenge me and say something, you speak about love, but there's more to it than that. There's wrath, there's judgment, there's God's anger. Others have confronted me when I have said that the integrity of a loving relationship matters far more than the form it takes. Some have said, what you believe matters as much as love. God rejects those and doesn't love those who don't believe the right things. Saying all of this another way, sometimes people try to force me to add all kinds of corollaries to love itself, forgetting that Jesus said all the laws, All of what the prophet said, everything in Scripture, the whole deal is love. Jesus said love, yet when he was alive, many religious people at the time added caveats and corollaries to what Jesus said. And because they could not accept that it is about love, they killed Jesus. They couldn't deal with love and what it unleashes in our lives in the world, which is to give up self. Another thing I've struggled with is our human tendency at times to keep what we say about our faith in one pocket, but the rest of our life we separate from that pocket. And sometimes I know that I have acted in one way when it comes to faith, but differently in non-faith settings that's not okay, at least for me. If love is the deal, then shouldn't love direct how we vote? Shouldn't the character of the people we vote for reflect love itself? If not, what are we doing? Should not love direct how we respond to all people on the margins, to suffering, to what ethical standards we strive for? Should not love affect how we treat strangers, those who serve us, the neighbor, people we don't like, how we spend money, how we view our assets, how we treat our family members, how we respond to migrants, the person at the airline ticket counter, or the rental car agency? If it is all about love, as Jesus said, shouldn't love be the modus operandi of how we show up in the world every day, in all dimensions of life? Quick caveat. Sometimes figuring out what is the loving thing to do is very difficult. At times, trying to figure out what the, loving, the most loving thing is, anything but simple or straightforward or black and white. It's not easy. That said, God asks us to ask, is this the loving thing to say or do? In every setting. Also, doing the most loving thing can be the hardest thing of all and require the most grit and courage and risk. And sometimes doing the most loving thing means we need to leave behind what we think or what we've believed for a long time. As you all know, I remain an Episcopal priest, and I think the finest presiding bishop the Episcopal Church has ever had is currently in office, and that's presiding Bishop Michael Curry, who gets it. What a gift to Christendom. I love what Michael has to say about love. And here's just a little bit about what he has to say about love in paraphrase form. Michael writes, when talking about love, it's important to remember that the opposite of love is not hate. It's related, but the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. And self-centeredness. When I am at the center of my universe, that's the opposite of love. The other word for this is sin. Sin is me instead of the love of God. God is love, and love is the antidote to sin. He goes on to write, Remember Jesus said, Love God with all my heart, all my strength, and all my soul. All, all, all He preaches. Love people all, all, all. On this hangs all of what the Bible says, all of what the prophets have spoken. And when I love with all of me, there is no room left for selfishness or self-centeredness. When my life is God and people-directed, there is not much room for sin. And he continues. And I love this part. The amazing thing about all of this is that when I love you, I learned to love me too. When I truly live for God, for people, for love, I discover the true me. Love is the pathway to know who I really am. I come most fully into whom God made me to be when my life is love. The more I love you, the more I love me. The more I uncover the real me. When we love, love God and love people, I am healed. I am restored. I am set free. So Jesus says, Love. And then Jesus says, Love thy neighbor. Love thy atheist. Love thy mean spirited man across the street. Love conservatives. Love liberals. Love the rich. Love the poor, the educated, the homeless, the Jew, the Muslim the benefactor, the selfish, the Christian, the fundamentalist, love all thy neighbors. And when we do this, I believe, then the world begins to become what God intends. Love is the point, love is the why, love is the answer that empowers us to deal with all that is wrong. It's the essence of God. And I want to wrap up briefly with just a few concepts that maybe can help us love more. Just some ideas to keep that might help us keep love front and center in our lives. Maybe these ideas are too obvious and trite, but I find them helpful. They're just a few, and perhaps one of these thoughts will click with you more than others. Years ago, when Regina and I started fly fishing in New Mexico. I'll never forget the day I put on my first pair of polarized sunglasses to fish. I'd been fishing with regular sunglass lenses, not polarized lenses, but with the polarized lenses, the world of fishing changed. Suddenly I could spot fish more easily. I could see the subtle nuances of the riverbed. I could pick up on slight movements with greater ease. The right lens changed the whole deal. What kind of lens do you put on every day when you get up in the morning? What kind of lens do I put on? You see, the lenses we wear The options are limitless, but it's up to us. We can put on a lens that seeks the common good. Kindness, gentleness, where's that gone? Self-control and love. We can choose to do what some do. We can put on lenses of cynicism and anger and frustration. And ones that make us see people in categories of us versus them. The point is every day we get up, we can ask ourselves, what kind of lens am I going to put on today to see my life, others, and the events of the day? Will it be a lens of love? Is that how I'm going to see people today? And this world? and the problems in it. There's so many ways to love when you have the lenses on. Affirmation, gratitude, encouragement, acknowledgement. And what's fascinating to me is that loving takes no more time than not loving. Secondly, this morning we heard Peter read the well-known words from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. It's often read at weddings, as we know. Most brides and grooms, as you all know, don't know that that reading was not written for a couple. It was written by a community that was absolutely devastated by infighting. It was written to a community going through tension, hatred, conflict, differing perspectives, anger, putting people down. And Paul says, Stop! He says, stop and get back to loving. Get back to doing what Jesus told you to do for God's sakes. And Paul then describes love as kindness. Not envious or boastful. Not about pride or self-seeking. Do you hear that, Washington, (laughs) D.C.? It's not about being easily angered keeping track of the misdeeds of other people. Love is about telling the truth. It's about trust and hope and perseverance. These qualities highlight what a life looked like in the spirit of God's love. And Paul invites us to immerse ourselves into those qualities to pray about those qualities, to ask God to help us make those qualities is defined in 1 Corinthians 13, the essence of how we show up in the world. And then the last thing I wanna just share is, this last spring I read a great article in the New York Times. Maybe you read it, maybe you heard about it. It's simple, it's really simple. The ideas within the article are very simple. It's not reflective of anything new but I have found the counsel to be easily accessible, powerful, and a tool that can help us love in action. In the article, the writer describes talking to a teacher about how to respond respond to children who are upset or distressed or crying or acting out. And the teacher said that in her classroom, when a child is upset or hurting, she simply asks the child. Do you need a hug? Or do you need to be heard and listened to? Or do you need me to help? Or do you need me to help you? Hugged, heard or helped? It's simple, but it's brilliant. The writer highlights that while the idea came out about in a classroom, it's something that has helped her in all of her adult relationships, including her marriage. Sometimes, we just need a hug. We don't need advice or somebody to tell us what to think or to do. We simply want arms wrapped around us. We don't need an opinion, we simply need a hug. That's a way to love somebody. Other times, we simply need to be heard or listened to, just to be heard, without advice, without opinion, without pontification. But sometimes, we need help. We're in a place where we want to hear ideas, we want to hear counsel, we want to hear wisdom. And I think it's simplistic, but being attentive, just being aware of this, and asking people, do you need a hug, do you need to be heard, do you need to be helped, is such a way to respond to people easily. Well, as I conclude, I pray for all of us that we will keep love and loving action at the center of our lives. I pray that we will keep our eyes on Jesus, the master and the essence of love itself. I pray that Snowmass Chapel with Sharla and our phenomenal team, by the way, we have an amazing staff, will continue to be known as a place of love. I pray that when we feel down and upset rightfully in response to the horrible, horrible news, that we won't shut it out, but we will remember that we are empowered by God to change the course of a person's day or life or even our collective future by loving. We're not helpless. And I pray that each of you will continue to be changed and transformed by the healing, forgiving, helping, and loving heart of Jesus each and every day. Love, love, love. It's the whole deal. God loves you, and I love you, and I thank you. And let us spend some moments in prayer.